Well, Merry Christmas. My name's Ethan. I'm one of the ministers here, and I'm glad you're here as we continue our series. Do you hear what I hear? You heard from Megan that Christmas Eve services are coming up, so be checking out those times and figuring out when you're going. Maybe you're traveling for Christmas. A lot of people are leaving for it's on a weekend this year. Uh, We've got an early one on Thursday so that those of you that are traveling for the weekend can still make it to the Christmas Eve services. A couple things I want to let you know about since it is uh, Christmas time. I need to let you know about our end of year offering. This is something special we do every December. Obviously, we've got we've to close the books at the end of the year like everybody else does. And we, are, we believe that the generosity for this church matters and makes a difference. But the generosity to this church is also about generosity. Um, we, you know, if you go look at our budget, you'll see a little more than 20% of our budget goes right out the doors to other ministries and organizations here in the region around the world. But during Christmas time, we want to kind of be extra focused on generosity. So even before your giving goes to our budget, during the month, of December, every dollar given to the church, 20% of that goes right out the door before it even goes to our general fund. And every year we target some special projects uh, out that, that need uh, some investment. So I'm going to tell you what those are this year. Uh, the first one is... Um, uh, a food ministry right here in downtown Johnson City uh, that we've run for several years. One of the things that happened kind of with the beginning of COVID is a really expanded need for people who don't have access to enough food or don't have the funds to buy enough food, a lot of whom are homeless. Uh, And that expanded need, we have met with expanded generosity. Uh, We were feeding about 30 to 40 people on a given Sunday night, and now we're feeding over 100 people every single Sunday night through that ministry as part of a network of um, lots of people that are investing and caring for the hungry in our town. Um, But that, you know, that's more more than doubled our costs and investment. And so a big portion of the Christmas, uh, the end of year offering is go toward that. The next chunk will be for our SEND fund. This is the money we use to fund internships and residencies for those that are preparing for ministry. Some of them serve here, some of them serve other places. Uh, We periodically need to replenish that fund. It's time to do that. And then the last portion will go for Brazil River of Life Ministries. Um, This is a Christian church planning mission down in Brazil that we've supported for decades. Uh, Last year, we funded the building of a new retreat center for them, and uh, this gift will go to uh, create some auxiliary buildings, bathrooms, and things like that to go with that retreat center. And so we're excited about these investments. This will be, you'll hear more about them throughout the month of December. Uh, you know, we're talking about music in this sermon series, and we have some opportunities. I got to go to my first Christmas concert last night. It was amazing. So if you haven't been to a Christmas concert uh, so far this year, let me tell you about a couple. Tonight, our top two generations, we've got a concert here at the church as part of a pitch-in dinner. It's at 6 p.m. Uh, even if you haven't registered, just bring some food to share, and you are welcome. It's going to be an amazing concert. Got a great group coming in for that. Then tomorrow night at 7 p.m., the Johnson City Community Band will be right here. Uh, their performance is always one of my favorite parts of the Christmas season. So if you want looking for some music, we got some opportunities coming up for you. And right now, though, we're going to listen to some music in a different way. We're asking this question, do you hear what I hear? And, and what we're trying to do is be intentional with how we listen and learn from the music of this season. Last week, we listened to Hark the Herald Angels Sing, and we noticed that first word, hark, it means to listen. It means to pay attention. 
And we had this spiritual challenge last week to pay attention to what we pay attention to, right? Well, what is it that has your attention? And, and, and maybe you left last week with this challenge that you would give God your undivided attention just maybe for a few minutes every day. What would that look like? Uh, maybe you did the thing where every time you heard Christmas music, this happened to me this week. It's been, I've been so blessed by this discipline. Uh, this week, I got to spend a little time in the waiting room of a muffler shop. And you know, when you're in the waiting room uh, of a car repair place, you never wanted to be there, right? Like that wasn't like on your plan for the week. You're never like, yay, this is just what I'd hoped for. And so I was sitting in there just as kind of grumpy as you would expect from having to interrupt my day by sitting in the waiting room of a muffler shop. And all of a sudden on the little radio out in there out in the shop, I heard uh, a a Christmas carol play on the radio just like it does this time of year. And because we're in this series, I knew what to do. And just immediately while the carol played, it was one I knew and I just heard the words, even though I couldn't even hear it through the wall, but I knew what the words were and I just gave God my undivided attention. And it was just such a blessing. Yesterday I saw somebody he, he did the challenge, I said, that he's going to try and read the whole Gospel of Matthew, one chapter a day, all the way between now and Christmas Day. He's just reading one chapter a day, and he said he was going through it. Now, if some of you like that idea, and I, I remind you right now, you're like, oh, I was totally going to do that. I was going to start reading Matthew, and you're like, oh, it's too late now. Don't worry. You could start today reading one chapter a day of the Gospel of Mark, and it's like super shorter, and you'll still totally finish by Christmas, okay? So if you were going to read Matthew, and you're like, oh, uh, don't worry, just start Mark today, one chapter a day, and you'll finish by Christmas. Because the goal of this whole series is to just stop and give God our attention. And, and so today, we're going to listen to another song. This is one of my favorite Christmas carols. I think the reason I love this song so much is because it is so flexible. This song can sound like every kind of song you ever want. Like, it can sound like, you know, a, an old Frank Sinatra kind of crooner song, you know. While shepherds kept their watching or silence. You know, it can sound like that. It can sound like a swing kind of jazz number. You know, the shepherds feared and trembled when low above. The, you know what I'm saying? It can, sound like, it can be country. I love country versions are my favorite ones of this song. Down in a lowly manger. Uh-huh. I love it when this song sounds country. I was uh, Googling around on YouTube, listening to other versions of this song. I even found several hip-hop versions of this song, and I'd, like, I'd planned to do one of them, but then I chickened out at the last minute, so that's not going to happen. But my point is that this song can sound like anything. It, it can sound like anything. Now, the shepherds in this song... They're the same shepherds we talked about last week. These are the ones uh, from Luke chapter 2, right? And, and I love the fact that the shepherds are in this story. I love that. Uh, the shepherds were spiritual outcasts in their culture. They were social outcasts in their culture. They were economic outcasts in their culture. They were essential workers who were essentially ignored. And yet there they are right in the center of the Christmas story. I love that. 
And we read last week in Luke chapter 2 how the angels come to the shepherds and announce the good news that the promised Messiah, the one who would rescue God's people, had now finally come and there would be peace on earth. And when they hear it, they go to see. Verse 15, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. And when they'd seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. And today's song, the the song that we're listening to today, if you hear what I hear, you will hear a challenge to be like a shepherd. And the good news is, I have throughout my long life been a frequent participant in children's Christmas programs both as a child and then later as a director of such children's Christmas programs. So I know what is required to be like a shepherd. You'll be glad to know the requirements are very few. All it takes to be like a shepherd is you need a bathrobe and a stick. In case you're curious, the one in the bathrobe without the stick is Joseph, right? You knew that, okay? But if he's in a bathrobe with a stick, he is a shepherd. And, and that's what this song is about, is the challenge to be like a shepherd. So this is what you need. Uh, but surprisingly, this song, it doesn't mention bathrobes and sticks, It's always been confusing to me, right? Because if not bathrobes and and sticks, by what means does this song propose that we're supposed to be like shepherds? Well, thankfully, it isn't a very subtle song, right? I mean, there's no, if you heard this song, you would definitely hear what I hear. It's the title of the song. It gets repeated over and over again. It's in the chorus, the the part of the song that I've been ignoring so far, the, the part you may even know. Maybe you could sing it with me, right? Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus... Jesus Christ is born. Yeah. So apparently, if today you forgot to bring your bathrobe and stick, uh, there is a backup strategy. Uh, A plan B, if you will, for how you can imitate the shepherds. You could go and tell. Go and tell. And what did they go and tell. Uh, jump back into the text with me for a second in case you missed it. Uh, verse 17, when they had seen him, that's Jesus, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about the child. They saw Jesus and they heard about Jesus from the angels and they went and told about that. Now all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. Then in verse 20, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. What did they go and tell? They told what they'd heard, and they told 
what they saw. They announced the good news because they had seen the good news after they were told the good news. What's so amazing to me about this story is the interval of time between when the shepherds heard the messengers and when they became the messengers. Just a few hours ago, they were hearing the message from the angels, and now they are the messengers. Sort of reminds me of our, our core DNA at F, here at FCC. We talk about how we're all about four things. Here, I even wore my DNA shirt to remind me what they are. We say that we want to love God as worshipers, love everyone as servants, make disciples as disciplers, and tell the story as missionaries. And that's what the shepherds did. If you want to be like the shepherds, and you forgot your bathrobe and your stick, well, then you could just live out the DNA of Christ, the DNA of this church. Tell your story of God's faithfulness in your life. Tell what you've seen and heard. Tell the story of God's faithfulness to all of us through Jesus. Be a witness, the Bible says, because you are a missionary. I think we forget that sometimes. You are a missionary, the Bible says. Here's the way Jesus put it to his disciples. This was just after his resurrection, and the disciples have gathered together for some of Jesus' final instructions to him. And they ask him this question. They say, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Like, is this end? Is it all over? Are we done now? And Jesus says, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. He says, you don't need to know when it's all going to be over. That's not what you need to know. You need to know what your job is. Here's what he says. He says, you will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, to the very ends of the earth. This word witnesses, we sometimes make it too complicated, right? Like, well, what does it mean to be a witness? You know what it means to be a witness. This is not a religious word. It's a normal word. A witness, well, it's what the shepherds were. It's somebody who's seen something or heard something and then tells about it. That's all it is, right? They sit there, they get asked questions. What did you see? Well, I'll tell you what I saw. What did you hear? I'll tell you what I heard. What do you know? I'll tell you what I know. That's all a witness is. And what kind of witness are you? You're a witness to good news. Maybe you know where to get the, the best Reuben in town. Well, by all means, you should tell someone. That is precious information. Or, or, or maybe you know about the best waterfall that nobody else knows to. Well, then you should build a trail, put up a sign, tell people about it, put it on the map. Other people need to know. Paul says that what happened to the shepherds, the way they turned went from hearing the message to spreading the message in just a few hours. Well, Paul says that's what's supposed to happen to all of us. 
He says, anybody who has been reconciled to God has been given the ministry of reconciliation. Here's what he puts it. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that one is a new creation. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and boom, immediately gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. The thing that happened to the shepherds is one minute, They were hearing the message. The next minute, they were seeing that it was true. And the minute after that, they were in charge of going and telling. I'm actually not sure the mountain part is essential, just so we're clear. Of the parts of the song, going and telling and on the mountain, I'm not sure how important the mountain part is. But I hope that you're listening to the same song I'm listening to. I hope you hear what I hear. And if you do hear what I hear, you know what you need to do. You need to go and tell. And so I just wonder, are you doing that this Christmas season? Do you have a December plan for going and telling? Maybe having a friend over to build a relationship that might open a door where you could share the good news with them. If you aren't, it might be because you think you're not worthy. You know, you got to be better trained or have more pedigree to really be an evangelist. But remember, we're just trying to imitate the shepherds here, right? That's all we're trying. This whole goal is just to be like a shepherd. You can pull that off. Maybe the reason you're struggling to go and tell is because you're not sure you have any good news that anybody else needs to hear. But you do. Uh, Just think with me for a minute. Just kind of let your imagination work for a minute. Think about the people you know in your life. The people you love in your life. Do you know anybody who has felt rejected recently. Well, good news. God loves them and receives them. Do you know anybody who is burdened by the mistakes they've made? Well, good news. God forgives people for our mistakes. Do you know somebody who's wounded and torn by the cruelty of this world? Well, good news. Jesus is a healer. God repairs broken lives. Do you know somebody who's afraid of death? Good news. God gives eternal life. Please, if you know somebody afraid of death, please tell them that God gives eternal life, right? Like you know people and you need the news that you have 
Do you know somebody who's confused? Good news. God's word gives us wisdom. Do you know somebody who, whose life lacks purpose? Good news. God has work prepared for them to do. Do you know somebody who's disappointed by life and they are filled with regret at the way things have turned out and it just feels like this life did not turn out the way they'd hoped? Good news. God has a whole nother life planned for us. One where there will be no regret. Maybe you just know somebody who's a little lonely and they feel left out. Well, have I got good news. God's people, in the name of Jesus, we have committed to loving everybody and welcoming everyone and including everyone. So your friend who's lonely and left out, we're committed to welcoming them and receiving them and doing our best so that they don't feel left out here. So see, you are the right person to share good news. You do have good news that other people need. And maybe the reason you're not sharing it is because you're scared to do it. If that's the problem, I totally get that. Oh yeah, it's super terrifying. Yeah, I'm totally with you. And if that's the issue, if you are having trouble getting up the courage to invite somebody to church or to share the good news of Jesus, if that's the issue that you're scared, here's my strategy I want to propose to you, okay? Just be scared and do it anyway. That's my, that's my strategy. Just stay scared. In fact, I, and I know it works because that's what my friend Becky did and I want you to hear her story. Back in January, Ethan challenged the church to four things. Attend, serve, invite, and study. And he asked us to pray for one person that we would eventually invite to church. I started praying for my friend, Jennifer. We've been friends for about nine years since our big kids were little ones. And while I invited her to different festivals and events in the past, I never actually invited her to a church service. So in March, Ethan mentioned inviting our one person to Easter. And as April grew closer, I started to chicken out. I had been praying for her and that felt a lot less invasive than inviting her to church. And I didn't want to step on her toes or make her feel judged. So I told God I couldn't do it. I actually invited someone else to church so that I wasn't backing out of my promise. But with Jennifer, I didn't want to rock the boat. So I just resolved not to invite her. It felt like too hard of an ask and I didn't want to risk losing our friendship. So I told God I couldn't do it. A few weeks later, we were texting and she mentioned that she'd been invited to a different church's Good Friday service. And she invited me to go with her. I felt completely shocked. I had told God I was too afraid to invite her to church. And here she was inviting me to go with her. We went to this Good Friday service and talked in her car afterwards. I felt the courage to invite her to First Christian. The story of Easter wasn't over, and Easter is kind of like this Christian Super Bowl, so you want to be there to finish the story. And she agreed, and I felt super excited. But the night before, my anxiety was high. I was so afraid that something might offend her or that she might come and feel out of place and never come back. And I put so much pressure on myself and our church and this ideal that I couldn't sleep. I felt protective over my relationship with Jennifer. The next day, as we walked into church, different people came up to us to say hello, but it didn't feel invasive. It felt welcoming. I was nervous about the communion, but then Betsy got up to explain it in the most welcoming way. 
And as the service went on, my anxiety continued to lighten. I could feel God's peace around us. That weekend gave me a fresh perspective of what it's like for newcomers and visitors. After Easter, there was a teaser for the three chair sermon that was coming up the following Sunday. Jennifer mentioned that she would come back. And while I was so excited, here I am again with this anxiety trying to get the better of me. I'd heard a version of this idea before, and I knew that one of the chairs was complacency. And the mama bear within me wanted to protect her from feeling judged. I was so afraid. But once again, God showed up. John delivered this fun, relatable, impactful service on the three chairs, and we sat there laughing and nodding our heads. And she's continued to come since then. As the months went on, God continued to open the doors into deeper conversations, one-on-one Bible study and first things first. After one instance, I felt my anxiety creep back in. I thought for sure that it was ruined forever, but God was at work pursuing her heart. I want to note that this was never me trying to plant a seed or be a good evangelist. I feel like I'm a terrible evangelist. This was just me being her friend and then coming to God with this big ball of anxiety, saying I'm scared and I don't know what to do. And God worked in spite of that. God was flying this plane. The turning point was a conversation after First Things First when Ethan told a story about flying scared. He said that our faith was a lot like flying scared. It wasn't about having it all figured out or under control, but just having the faith that it would work out. And after hours of text conversations and a phone call, Jennifer accepted Christ, and she asked me to baptize her. Four months after this frightened friend told God no. These are the moments when I know that God is real, alive, at work, and interested in us. And the beautiful part is that flying scared wasn't just about Jennifer coming to her place in faith, but also for me. I couldn't control what happened, the people she'd meet or the impression she'd get. I just had to trust God and hold on, flying scared and risking my friendship, giving the rest to God. I felt so protective over my relationship with Jennifer. I was afraid of losing her, but in the end, God brought us closer together. In September, I was able to baptize my sweet friend. And despite all of my fear and anxiety and doubt, God was with us all along. I want you to have that same story to tell. I want you to have that story to tell. And so I want to be very specific. Uh, with this challenge to be like a shepherd. Um, It doesn't involve a bathrobe or a stick, but it does involve you knowing that you're a missionary, that you have heard and seen the good news, and now you need to go and tell. Specifically, I want to challenge you, use this invite card. Go get 10 more if you need them to invite someone to our Christmas Eve services. Trust that we're going to share the gospel there and we'll be good to them and we'll have fun and we'll laugh a little bit. And let that begin a conversation where you get to tell them about the good news you do know. And I want to say, don't be afraid, but No, be afraid for all I care. Sure, be afraid. 
Just don't let your fear stop you from being a shepherd, from going and telling. Because if you hear what I hear, you'll know that's what the song's about. It's not about what they did. It's about what God wants you to do. Let's pray. Gracious God, you say that we are your ambassadors. Please help us live like it. I pray that you give people courage to do and to say and to share and to love and to invite just as you would lead them. And we just trust that when your gospel is proclaimed on Christmas Eve, the the people that need to hear it will be there if we'll do our part to invite them. We just pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, I invite you to stand right now. Sing your commitment to go and tell. If you need prayer today or if today's the day you need to join the church or give your life to Christ, meet me down over here. Let's sing together.